and sisters in Christ in Egypt dying in bombs in two Coptic churches. No doubt they were celebrating just as we are here, maybe a slightly different language, and uh, lives cut short. Over 40 died and over 100 wounded. So let me begin with prayer. Gracious and loving God, we lift up to you our sisters and brothers in Egypt. Those who have lost loved ones, we pray your peace, your comfort, your healing in an extremely difficult time. And Lord, for those who are wounded, we ask your healing touch. Lord, we know there are so many sisters and brothers who, for them, worship and believing in you is against the law. Their lives may be at risk. And others, they're in countries where simply believing in Christ is challenging. So, Lord, we lift up those who are persecuted Christians throughout the world, and we ask during this this celebratory time of Holy Week that you especially be with them, protect them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Dick. I am one of the pastors here at Faith Covenant Church, and I too want to welcome you to our worship service this morning. We are truly glad that you're worshiping our Lord and Savior with us this day. It is always our prayer that whenever we come together to worship our Lord, that his spirit will touch each of us in a very, very special way. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series titled, How Goes Your Walk? Uh, This has been an eight-week series. We'll be finishing up next week. And we've been looking through portions of the gospel according to Mark, particularly those areas that deal with discipleship and how we live out our faith each and every day. We've been challenged through this series about are we being honest with God? Are, Are we looking at how do we forgive others? Are we truly walking the walk as we seek to be faithful followers? And this morning, our our secondary question is, are we Christ carriers? Are we willing to carry Christ into the world that so desperately needs to hear the message that Jesus has? That message of grace and love and forgiveness, of salvation, when we put our faith and trust in him and him alone. I'm wondering, how many of you have ever seen a King Kong movie? I think there's been four major English versions of them spanning decades upon decades. So one came out about eight weeks ago. It's actually still in the theaters, about midnight, I think, for most of the showings, but it's Kong, Skull Island. Any of you see it? All right, good. Well, we took our older grandsons to it, and I I found it extremely interesting. I I must say I like the Jack Black version that was the last Kong. This one was un... I'm sorry. This one was uh, <laughs> the back rows protesting. They like this one. Um, this one was so busy and so many things happening. It was about a, a two plus hour movie. Um, it's PG 13 because of the violence, and they used one word they didn't have to use. But it was, it was a good Kong movie. Now, for those of you who didn't see it, I want to share just a teeny bit with you. Now, this is a small portion of one trailer. So, uh, You had about 42 seconds of Kong Skull Island, so please. These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. We use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Scientific instruments. I see trouble on the way. Is that a monkey? 
I know you're all going to run out and see it this afternoon, right? (laughs) Greg and I went back and forth about video clips on this one because even within the three trailers, that was the least offensive we could find for 40 seconds. The rest of it is really, really violent. Now, you know what? Poor King Kong. In this movie and all the, the movies, he's shot at. He attacks and is being attacked by monsters. He's thrown off the Empire State Building. Not in this movie. I mean, it is just sad to watch King Kong abused like he was abused. And in this movie, even though he was computer-generated, I still felt badly for him. You know, the sad truth is, before World War II, animals in Hollywood were seen as disposable props to be used, abused, and eliminated if they created any problems. Movies like uh, The Charge of the Light Brigade and uh, the original Ben-Hur, which was a silent movie. Any of you see that one? (laughs) They killed over 70 horses in those two movies alone and maimed and injured hundreds. So sad that we would treat God's creation like that on such a regular basis. It wasn't until after World War II that the Humane Society came into Hollywood and began negotiating standards with the movie industry. And so those standards are what we have today, which is so nice that animals aren't harmed intentionally as they were back then. In order to make sure the public was fully aware of this, they created an animal equivalent of an Oscar award. It was called the Patsy Award. I know today that has a different meaning, but it was... Let's see, it was, let me make sure I get it right, Performing Animal Top Star of the Year. Performing Animal Top Star of the Year, Patsy Award. And that went on through about 1988, so you may not have followed Patsy Awards. But let's see, we have Lassie was a prior Patsy winner. Um, Let's see, how about Trigger? Where did Trigger come from? Okay, this one's really going to be a test for us. How about Arnold the Pig? Green Acres, good job, we are dating ourselves. I don't think that's even being rerun anymore. But the very first, very first Patsy winner was Francis the Mule in 1951. So now, some of you may have a a question. What does this have to do with Palm Sunday? (laughs) You know, I I get assigned to preach, and it's like i got to fill 18, 20 minutes. But does this have anything to do with Palm Sunday? Yes, it does. Now, you may have to stretch a little bit with me, but let's have some fun with this. It is very possible that an ancestor of Francis the Mule in the very first century A.D. in Jerusalem could have been the first Patsy winner. Because that animal, starred as an animal, and what could have been a phenomenal Hollywood extravaganza movie. Oh, wait, it has been. But could have been. So we're going to be looking at how that particular donkey was truly a Christ carrier. And we're going to learn from that potential Patsy winner how we could do better in our walk with the Lord as we carry Christ into a world that so desperately needs to hear about him. Our text today comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. You'll find it on the screen, also starting on page 1572 in our Pew Bibles. Do encourage you to follow along silently as I read aloud. Listen to the words of Mark and hear God's message to each one of us about being Christ carriers. 
As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Please join with me in prayer. Oh Lord God, it is good to be here on this Palm Sunday, worshiping you, giving you glory and honor. Lord God, we pray that your Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts and our minds, that we might hear the message you have for us this day. And Lord, we might apply it in our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we all know the story of the triumphal entry. Eight days before Jesus' resurrection, Jesus uh, no doubt was probably staying in Bethany at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home kind of his home away from home whenever he was traveling in and around Jerusalem. And uh, he begins to come into the city. Now, this is a, a downhill from the Mount of Olives, beautiful pathway, and then coming back up just a little bit to the walled city, the temple, uh, the, the temple mount. And Jesus asks his disciples to go ahead and get a colt of a donkey. And they do that. And uh, Jesus begins to ride on this colt of a donkey. Now, this is prophesied through Zechariah uh, that the Messiah would ride into the, the city of Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey. Now, it's interesting. Oftentimes, we think of kings would ride huge, big stallions. Generals would ride them. But, but oftentimes, kings, to show their servant hearts, would ride simple donkeys. And so in many ways, Jesus riding this colt of a donkey is, is symbolizing majesty. And the people are shouting, and it's estimated that there would be about 2 million people in Jerusalem at this time. It was right before the Passover. People would be coming into town for the Passover. Possibly some had followed Jesus from the Sea of Galilee region where he'd be ministering up until this point. Some may have been kind of watching Jesus because they had heard about him rising Lazarus from the dead, and they were curious. But they're lining this pathway down this hill, coming into Bethlehem from Bethphage and Bethany. And they're shouting to Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to the, the one in the highest. And as Kurt said, Hosanna means save us. In many ways, what people were shouting was save us from the oppression of the Romans. Be that king, that Messiah is a conquering king that Zacharias spoke about. So Hosanna, save us, save us, save us. And Jesus enters the temple courts, it's late, and he heads back to Bethany, no doubt, to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home. Now, we can learn something from the major characters within this particular passage. But I think we can learn the most 
from this simple colt of a donkey, this potential patsy winner. But before we look at the donkey, let's look at some of the other major players and see if we can learn anything from them, at least in this passage. How about the disciples? Disciples have been with Jesus over three years. They've been with him, eating, sleeping, watching him do miracles, listening to his teaching and more teaching and more teaching and more teaching. And here it is, Palm Sunday of Holy Week, and and we know what happens. One will betray Jesus. One will deny Jesus three times. And all but one will abandon him at the cross. With all of that, it almost seems like these disciples have failed their midterm examination. They didn't even come close to a D minus. Now, we're fortunate that's not the end of the story because we know the rest of the story. We know there's much we can learn from disciples before this week and much we do learn after. But for this moment, they failed. I don't think we should be emulating who they are. How about the religious leadership of that time? They've been following Jesus from the very beginning. Jesus is kind of messing up with their business of being the religious elite. He's suggesting things that really take some of the the support they might have been getting away. They've been conspiring against Jesus, finding ways to accuse him of, of everything possible. They trump up charges against him, try him in a false court, accuse him, and have him executed by the Romans. Probably don't want to emulate the religious leadership at that point. No. But what about the crowds? Maybe we can emulate those crowds, those people that have been following Jesus, maybe from Galilee, those who are curious about him today, those who are in in the, the city because of Passover. Maybe we can emulate those, those who are shouting the Hosannas. On that day, they're shouting, Hosanna, save us! And they're anticipating that Jesus is this conquering king. But in just a few short days, if that mocked-up trial, they yell, crucify him, crucify him. I doubt we want to emulate at that point the crowds that follow Jesus. But what about this simple donkey, this potential descendant of Francis the Mule, ancestor of Francis the Mule, I'll get that right. I think there's something we can learn about being Christ carriers, about carrying Christ into the world through how this donkey acted. If we want to be a Christ carrier, it means serving Christ, being a faithful servant to our Lord and Savior, no matter what the burden is. It means serving Christ humbly, not worrying about who would get the credit. It means following Christ's directions wherever They may lead, and it may be not necessarily where we want to go, not necessarily where we would be comfortable. It means taking Christ into enemy territory. It means not getting spooked by the crowds and the noise. It means never asking Christ to get off our backs. It means be willing to shed the hero image that some people really want to put on Christ. It means being obedient to the one who holds the reins. Now, if we seek to do that, if we seek to be that kind of a Christ carrier, we're expected also to live a life which is a little different 
than the lives so many people live. We're to live that Christ-centered life in absolutely everything we do. And we seek to be that Christ carrier. It means that when those times present themselves in the chaos of the world in which we live, kind of the chaos of Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, that we have the ability to answer people's questions when they say, who is that? Who is that Jesus? And when we answer that questions, we can help with the Holy Spirit to have these folks hear the love that's offered in and through Christ and help them to see that promise of eternal life. You know, if we're able to do that, to be true Christ carriers, to live that life that we have been called to live, to carry Christ into enemy territory, to carry Christ in where people so desperately need to hear it, boy, do we have the joy that comes with that. The hosannas we hear aren't, aren't for us, they're for Christ working through us. The joy of truly serving our Lord and Savior. What better role could we have than being those true Christ carriers? Now, now there's the rest of the story. Okay, it's not even in Scripture, but it makes it more fun. So the very next morning, that young donkey, that Christ carrier, that potential Patsy Award winner, woke up just thrilled with the events of the day before, decided to go into the city and went to the well. And nobody recognized the young donkey. The donkey said, don't you know who I am? Shout out hosannas. And rather than shouting out hosannas, somebody slapped him on the, the hind quarter. Decided to go to the marketplace because more intelligent people were there. Walked in there, nobody recognized him. And he said, where are the palm branches? And they totally ignored him. He went home to his mother. And his mother said, Silly son, don't you realize you're just an ordinary donkey without him? And friends, no matter what we do when we're doing it for Christ, we need to realize that without him, we're just ordinary people. But with him and our willingness to carry him into the world, we can be part of his plan for redemption. Amen. Thank you, Dick. I think we also need to add the disclaimer, right, that no donkeys were harmed in the making of this worship service? Not a single donkey okay. was harmed. We met all the requirements. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for that great word and the good challenge. One of the ways we worship God as a faith community is we bring gifts of tithes and offerings. And so if you've prepared a gift for God in worship this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're visiting with us, please don't feel any pressure or obligation. This is one of the ways we worship God as a faith community. And so we invite you to participate in your own way and in your own timing. We would ask God that he would bless not only the gifts that we're prepared in terms of tithes and offerings, but also in terms of the gifts that we're prepared to give in terms of our time and our talents in work and in ministry. One of the things that we celebrated between services this morning is uh, the uh, brunch for our Appalachian Mission team, uh, a team of people who are giving of their time and their talents to go uh, to do construction projects in the mountains of Appalachia. And so we, uh, ex ex we celebrate with them the call of God on their lives, and know that all the resources that we pool together go towards furthering the kingdom of God in this place and around the world. So as the ushers come, let's continue to worship God this morning.